I believe you. I see you as I go to and fro, walking with purpose and strength, past atrocities denied by your ever-present glow. The message of less than, intentionally embedded in your wavelength, admired for your beauty, chastised for your intelligence, firmly denied when you choose to speak up, to grow. Society tears you down over and over. Don't you know you are property? When men approach you and you say no, they do not hear you. Property has no audible voice. And so they plunge ahead with unwanted advances. Why would you think you had a choice? So painful to not be believed, but to instead be asked, what did you do? Asked, answered, asked, answered, asked and answered. Education was required, mandated by your new fate. It was all good until you used that education to analyze and began to again walk up straight. Eyes no longer cast down, mouths no longer willing to apologize for your wants, your truths, and your needs. You want to be heard. They look on with a frown. The truth is that a sexual assault was committed against you. The pain sometimes returns. What can you do? Try hard to forget. You need justice. You need for the random ways you are reminded of what you endured and the many times you are unwillingly transported back to it to stop. You need those who have committed these acts to know that there will be repercussions. You are living yours. You want them to feel skittish too, to wonder when the shoe will drop. I am inspired when I hear of your triumphs and your victories, the sharing of your truths. You who manage to retain your dignity in the face of societal indecencies and yes, criminal behavior. The little ones are in awe of you. You who keep the wheels on the bus running when they violently shake and rattle and threaten to fall off. My dear sisters of every size, shape, and hue, because of you, they will never believe the lie, the story, they will immediately know the shame belongs only to the monster. In case you have not heard it before, hear it now in all its glory. You did nothing. If you went to his location, you did nothing. If you had too much to drink and even showed its effects, you did nothing. If your dress was too short, you did nothing. If the girls were showing and looked a bit enticing, you did nothing. Someone failed to teach him that you are not to touch intimate parts of another's body without clearly given consent. What he did was fail to subdue the monster within himself. Shame on him. Shame, too, on those with similar anatomy who sit in the decider's box and say nothing, and thus by their acquiescence allow what you wore to be part of the continuing narrative. 
Yes, I see you as you go to and fro, walking with purpose, cloaked in strength, past trials denied by your majestic glow. Glow on. Hello, we're here today um, to talk about a difficult topic. We're going to talk about sexual violence and Linda has agreed to join us today. Of course, I'm here with my co-host, Teresa. Let's get started. Um, Linda, can you tell us about the assault, where it occurred, how old were you, and maybe information about the perpetrator? Tell us what you feel comfortable sharing. Absolutely, absolutely. The assault occurred back in 1985. I was about 23 or 24 years old, and it occurred right in my apartment. Someone rang my doorbell, and I looked through the peephole, and it was my nephew's father. I said, okay, I can let him in. So when he came in, he asked if he could use my phone because he needed to call someone to pick him up from work. He had a job working down the street from where I was living at the time. So I said, sure, no problem. So I go into my kitchen, I get me a glass of water, I come out, and I'm standing at my dining room table, and I'm listening to him, and he's not saying anything. So inside, I was a little alarmed because I'm thinking he was going to be actually talking to someone. Right at that moment, he grabbed me, and I didn't know what was about to happen. He started pushing me back into my bedroom, and I said, stop, what are you doing? And the next thing I knew, he had thrown me down on the bed and I went to scream out because I knew it was going to happen when he threw me down on the bed. I went to scream because where I was living at the time, the walls were very thin. And I called out my neighbor's name and said, call the police. She wasn't home. And that's when the perpetrator took his hand, covered my nose and my mouth to smother me and threatened to kill me. And every bit of courage I had left me. When you're in that situation, you talk about, you don't know what you're going to do until it actually happens. So as I lay there being violated, the only thing I could remember to say was to repeat Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. And I got a vision at that time. I saw someone, it was like a shepherd and it was grass, beautiful green grass. And it was like God took me out of what I was going through into his presence for a moment just so I could have some peace. And when the perpetrator was finished, he started apologizing. So in my mind, all I could think of, I need to get him out. I need to get him out because he had already threatened to kill me if I screamed. So I asked him, I said, can I please go to the door and get some air? Please, ma'am, please get some air. He said, you're not going to open the door because I know if you do, you're going to scream. I said, I promise you I will not scream. He went out in front of me, opened the door, and as soon as he opened the door, I pushed him and pushed the door and locked it immediately. Wow. And when I looked out my window, I saw him running down the street. Oh my goodness! Linda. I'm so that, sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I'm so and, sorry. And uh, what you shared bears out the statistics that it's usually someone, someone the victim knows. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Well, um, 
Did you tell anyone? About Absolutely. It? Immediately, I called my mom because I needed to hear her voice. Yeah. I felt like she would be my comfort at that moment. And as soon as I hung up, I called the police. The police came, the detectives came, they went all through my apartment, they asked me who it was, I told them. And then one, one detective made a statement to me and said, this is going to be hard to prove. So I said, well, why did you say that? He said, because he didn't beat you up. I was not gonna let that keep me from doing what I needed to do, not just to protect me, but to protect somebody else out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So I said, I understand what you're saying, but he raped me. Right. Went to the emergency room that night. They did the samples, they did the testing and all that. And the detective, the cops were there too. And I was like, this, this, you know, you have a hard time trying to understand why. Mm -hmm. What what did I do? Why? Right, right, right. Because he started apologizing, saying, I have always liked you. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, liked me? Is and this you how you prove to someone that, right. that you like them by right. attacking them, violating them? Yeah. You're laying there and nothing you can do. Nobody's around. You can't scream because you're threatened. Mm -hmm. You're just helpless at that point. Yes. You really are. You're just helpless at that point. Yes. You certainly were courageous in that when you said that not only were you not going to allow it to happen to you, you weren't going to allow him to do this to another woman to without else. coming forward. Correct. And Correct. Um, that, that's powerful. Correct. It is very powerful. I was assigned an attorney, and, you know, I met with the attorney from time to time. But there was a couple of instances right after it happened where his father called my mom to say she didn't he didn't believe it. My mom said, I know my daughter, Linda. She would never be intimate with her nephew's father. Mm -hmm. That's not who she is, and my mom was right. And his father hired a private detective because I came home one, one Saturday afternoon and someone rang my doorbell. I didn't want to open the door because I was keeping all the locks on the door, even in the daytime. And I put the chain lock, had the chain lock on, so I opened it, and he said, I'm a private detective. I'm looking for someone. I said, well, I'm sorry. That person doesn't live here. So later on, I decided to go out. It was still daylight, and he had left a card in my door. So I couldn't. I couldn't connect the dots mm -hmm. until I had talked to my attorney about it, and he found out that the guy's father had hired this detective to try to find that I allowed any man into my home. That is not me. That was not me. Another incident occurred when, he, when they were trying to keep me from going to court. They were really trying to frighten me. Intimidate. Intimidate, absolutely. When I went to see my attorney one night and came home, it was dark, and that, it was real cold. So I went on in my apartment, and um, that morning I had to get up and get the brush out of my trunk because it had snowed a little bit, and someone had printed an obscenity on my car. Oh my so I knew, and I looked around, I knew they were trying real hard. But deep inside me, God gave me the courage to keep going forward. I was like, you're not going to get away with this. Mm -hmm. Not just for me, like I said before, but for somebody else's daughter or sister or mom. Right. As well. It was almost as if you were 
twice violated. Right. Absolutely. Right. Three times violated right. when I started going to counseling, and we'll get into that. Okay. 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 So, so tell us about um, your path to healing and why you feel comfortable sharing your story Okay. Now. I thought my path to healing would, would start from attending the counseling sessions, but they were not helpful. I am in no way belittling or demeaning the resources that they have out here for other people, but that was just not working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay to say that. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. when you go to counseling, they ask you to revisit the crime and talk about what happened among a group of strangers. Mm-hmm. So that's when I said I felt like I was violated again yeah, because I, I was sharing. They wanted you to share something so horrific and private among strangers. Right. I didn't feel comfortable doing that. I felt like I needed time to heal and most importantly, learn how to forgive. Mm-hmm. My best friend who is now deceased, she told me that I was going to have to forgive him. And I thought she had lost her mind. So after a couple of sessions, I stopped going and I spent more time praying and reading the Bible. And that's where my comfort was com- coming from. I didn't realize it until I started feeling this peace on the inside of me. Um, I'm thankful there are resources there for others, but like I said, it didn't work for me. I needed to do what I thought was mm-hmm. best for me. So years later, um, I, after spending many nights of crying and asking God why, those moments have been turned into joy for me. Mm-hmm. I was able to get my wings wings back and take off with my life again. Well, and you know, Linda, that speaks to courage and strength. Mm-hmm. When you say people, professionals provide these resources and these right. are the experts and right. so right. You, 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 we're taught to rely on them Correct. but you were strong enough to know Linda well enough, better Correct. than anyone else Correct. to say that may be that's good not for you for me. but that's not what I need. Absolutely. Because and so that's important for other victims Correct. to hear. Correct. I remember coming home one night from a counseling session and you know I had gotten to the point where I didn't want to come out after dark. I wanted to be home and feel safe, even though I didn't really feel safe mm-hmm. because the event took place in my home. Right, right. I um, got out of the car because I knew I couldn't stay in a cold car at night. Phone- cell phones were not in production. Right, right, right. So I had to get out of the car. And being so terrified, trying to get in the house, I'm shaking and dropping my keys. So when you see things like that on TV, that actually happened to me because I was so nervous. I picked the keys up. And I got in the house and I slammed the door and locked it. You know, my heart was beating because I didn't know if he was going to come from around the corner. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Right, so. Right, right. so would you tell us a little bit about, um, if you feel like sharing this, about how the assault impacted your day-to-day life? It impacted my day-to-day life immediately. Um, I couldn't take a shower without feeling no matter how much I scrubbed I was dirty Mm. I just felt so dirty and Mm. clean it was just awful taking the soap and scrubbing and scrubbing it was just on my arms I was like I don't feel clean I went to the emergency room that night and mentally it just seemed like every man that I saw knew what was happening Mm. and when they looked at me Mm. in my mind was telling me it was your fault it was your fault when I knew I didn't I Mm. had not I felt judged. I knew I hadn't done anything. And then going to the grocery store, going to the mall, those pleasures were taken away from me because I didn't know when I would see him again right. because he was out on bond at the time. Right. 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 It, was, it, was, it was really difficult. And with the crying, at work crying, 
um, at home crying. Anywhere I went, I would always be crying, going to church crying, because the most important question for for you is why? Yes. And then you learn that it is not about a feeling for them. It's all about power and control. That's right. Right. He subdued me, and he felt good about it because... When he, if you, if your life is being threatened, what can you do? Right, right. And you're being smothered. You can't right. hardly breathe. Right. And you know, you. And he's yeah. stronger than I am. All he's yeah. stronger than I am. He took advantage of me. And what I'd also like to share is, this person had visited my home maybe two weeks prior, and he gave me the same reason. He needed to call someone to get a ride home from work. So after the incident, you know, things start mm-hmm. playing in your mind. Yeah. He was checking, he was yeah. casing my place out. Right, right. And because yeah. he was Someone you indirectly laid, related, right. I felt like it was okay, right. you right. know. So but now you, you always have this, I always have this distrust of having another male in my home unless someone is there with me. Right. I don't want Comcast at my home unless right. somebody's there with me. I don't want the lawn guy there, right. but he doesn't come in anyway. Right. But I'm just leery of things like yeah. that. Even on my job, I'm right. leery about, you know, someone saying something because it, it just brings it back. But, you know, yeah. I I got my wings, so I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, Linda, what, and, and thank you again for sharing this with us, what message if you could give a message to other people who've been sexually abused or raped, uh, victims of sexual violence, what would that message be? What would you share? Well, there are three little things I want to share. The first one is report it immediately. If you wait, it's more difficult to demonstrate that the abuse happened beyond reasonable doubt, so specifically for DNA purposes and or if there is evidence of injury. That's good. In 2017, 40.4% of rapes were reported in the United States, and that went up from 23.2% in 2016. And I think because now they've taken off the statute of limitations, you know, people can, I mean, I think that now that, I think there never should have been any statute of limitation. Mm-hmm. I think that people should have been able to mm-hmm. report it when they felt comfortable. Right. But however, it is important to report it right away because you need that evidence. When I went to court, they held my dress up in the courtroom. Mm -hmm. They held my underpants up in the courtroom. And when they examine me, they're taking DNA evidence off of you. Mm -hmm. They're cutting hair from your head. They're cutting hair from around your private area because that's, that's a connection that happens. So you need that evidence if you wait even the next day after you've taken a shower, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult right. to prove. Especially right. it would have been in my case because nobody was there but me. Right. So like I said, I was determined to tell somebody immediately, immediately. And thank God for the support of my family and my friends. The next thing I would say, decide what resources work for you. You can call the National Resource Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. H-O-P-E, and they're available 24-7. Also, the last thing is, it is not your fault. No matter what you wear or where you were, what you're drinking, no means no. You are your best witness. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was, a, um, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having sharing. me. Yeah. And, and I know um, you've helped someone today. You've helped I me with so. the information. And the, the courage you've shown. 
So um, we appreciate you being Thank willing you. to come forward and share, share your story, your story. Yeah. with Earrings Off listeners. Thank you. Um, well, we want to, at this point, share some resources or share some information with listeners. Um, info we're going to share today is from the RAIN website, and that's R-A-I-N-N. So that's www.rainn.org. RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse, Incest, National Network. The hotline, which Linda referenced earlier, is 800-656-HOPE, H-O-P-E. Again, I want to thank Linda for having the courage to share her story with us. And one thing that um, stood out to me and is noted on the RAIN website when you're dealing with a, when you have a person who's been a victim of, of um, rape or abuse is that you say to them, I believe you. The majority of sexual assaults occur at or near the victim's home. And another fact is that every 92 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, that victim is a child. And I want to go back to your earlier point about saying to the victim, I believe you, because Linda shared that she felt judged. And that was one reason why I I wrote the poem is because I want women to know that you're not to be judged um, and to have the courage to go forward and to heal. Um, Teresa, I want to share that there is some good news Mm -hmm. in all of this. Sexual violence has actually fallen by 63% since 1993. But even with that decrease, we know that every American is affected by sexual violence. So this is an important topic, one that's very difficult, but one we felt that um, we wanted to discuss. And we invite listeners to um, visit our website and, and send in your comments and let us know what you have to say about this important topic. Thank you for listening. And remember, when we know better, we do better. We look forward to talking with you in the next episode. Please join us here at www.earringsoff.com. 